welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. First off, we all need to celebrate everybody who's in this space because Memorial Weekend, we finally have some nice weather, and you're like, you know what? I'm still going to go praise God. Give it up for yourself. I'm here. I am in the building. And if you're watching online now or later, we still love you. But there's something different about being in the room, right? There's something about this space as we can celebrate God together, as we can lift our voices and sing his praises. Um, But also, what he wants to speak to us. The things that we can learn from him and what he has for us going into this next week, hopefully into the summer and beyond. And uh, we've been in a series called When in Rome. uh, And it's been this deep dive into the book of Philippians. And if you haven't been with us in a while, you're like, Philippians, Rome, how does that work out? So Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in a Roman jail cell. And that's what's really interesting and incredibly unique about this book of the Bible because so many people believe that this is the most joyful book in the Bible. Can you believe that? Like, man, this dude is in a jail cell and they say this is the most joyful book. So what that tells us is that if he can have that kind of joy as he's on trial for his life, then what kind of joy can we have no matter what we're facing? So today we're going to be in Philippians. We're going to continue from where we picked up last week, which is going to be starting in verse 3 or chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Then we'll go through all of it or most of it. But before we do, we just want to share with you, if you haven't been here in a while or you've never been to church before, that the Bible can sometimes be intimidating. And we just want to let you know it doesn't need to be. The Bible is a love story from the God of the universe who used men to write through his Holy Spirit, his word and what he has for us. But he created you and me. He created all of us because he wanted to spend time with us. And he wanted to spend eternity with us, but he gave us free will. And because of that, sin entered into the world through bad decisions that mankind made that separated us from God. But he ultimately sent his son Jesus to die for us, which gives us direct access to him. This is his love story. In Philippians 3, I want to start us in verse 8. I'm in the NLT today, which is a little different than normal, but I just I thought it was good. I thought we needed it. It says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. If you're taking notes today, the title of this message is Priceless. God, I thank you. Thank you for being in this place here today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak that you would help me get out of the way, whatever it is that you have for each and every one of us today, that we would leave here different, that we would leave here knowing you better, that we would leave here inspired to live a life pursuing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Priceless. Anybody remember those commercials from some credit card? No? Well, the point of it all was, hey, you could buy a whole lot of stuff to make a memory, and when you have that memory, it's priceless. Priceless, this definition of, it's so precious that you cannot put a value on it. 
So it would have people like, oh, going and paying for flights and then hitting up some restaurants. And then they have this beautiful view of these mountains. It's like, oh, priceless. It was really effective. I think a lot of people went really far into debt. Um, (laughs) Maybe that's why no one responded when I asked if you remember that commercial. Hit a nerve. (laughs) But I love the definition of priceless, like something so precious that you can't put a value on it. Um, And as I was praying over this message and God was just uh, really speaking to my heart, um, it directed me towards my boys playing some basketball. You see, uh, when, when the whole world shut down three years ago, has it been more than that? It's like, uh, I don't even remember anymore. In the moment, though, it was real, you know. Um, and we did everything outdoors and by ourselves. Anybody else? Um, and one of the things we had was this driveway with cement, and it was all cracked up, just jagged everywhere. Melissa had been telling me forever, we need to replace that. I'm like, that costs too much money. Like, you know, I just can't do it. Can't pay for that. And then one day we're out there because we're trying to be outdoors and enjoying the day. And Malachi, our little guy, who you might see him running around now, and he's seven years old, but at the time he was just a little four-year-old, and he trips on his little scooter, he hits it, hits a crack, boom. He's bleeding everywhere. He's got some super bad gouge on his face. And I'm just like, ooh, this poor little guy. And she looks at me like, time to get that driveway. I'm like, okay, all right, we'll do it, you know, and they come over and they give us a quote, and I'm like, man, this is super expensive, and my kids have been asking me, can we get a basketball hoop too, and I'm like, all right, well, what if we just kind of like continue digging in the grass around behind my garage and put a little half court in there, and it cost more, but it was worth it, Uh, (laughs) play some basketball, so we hired them to do it, they do it, didn't like paying for it, expensive, right? I did not use the same credit card agency who did the same commercial. So here's this gigantic cost, but at the same time, our driveway was like out of commission for three weeks. Anybody else like in your neighborhood, there's certain spaces that like you park in right in front of your house. And then there's your driveway. And if your neighbor parks in front of your house, you're like, are you kidding me? You're looking out your window, like, oh, they're still there. <laughs> that's, that's our spot, okay? I don't have a sign there, but really everybody just knows. So then for like three weeks, we were those people because we were parked in front of everybody else's house. So I'm looking out my window like, are they still mad? Like, I know they normally park their car right there, but I can't use my driveway. So I'm like, man, this is crazy. How long is this going to take? And then as they're digging it up, boom, this power cable comes up and out of the ground, and I'm like, what in the world was that? And the worker was like, I don't know. I'm like, well, you should know. You just dug it up out the ground. Well, apparently, the people, before they put the last driveway down, ran the power from our basement under the driveway to then power our garage. And it split the wire in half. I'm not telling anybody my address because what happens next, I'm not proud of, but we've had no problems since. So I'm like, how do we fix this? Because it's going to cost a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? And I put, I put in some fans before in my house. So I'm like, okay, let's figure this out. Red wire, red wire, black wire, black wire. And I asked these guys, I'm like, all right, so what do you think? Like, how do we keep the water out of it if we do it? So I put that core back together. You better believe it. Whole lot of electrical tape. Then I bought this PVC pipe and like put it on this angle underneath the ground and like put some things around each end of it and then put it back down in the ground. I'm like, yo, you guys think that's good? And these guys were like, 
Like, I don't want to tell my boss I just did this, so I'm just going to shrug my shoulders. So I'm like, uh, we're going to go with this. So now they lay the asphalt, and to this day, we've had no problems. So just so you know, if you need an electrician, I got you. But all I was seeing is all these prices just racking up, racking up, racking up. And then we find this awesome deal on a basketball hoop. It's still not cheap because, you know, I used to hoop growing up. I couldn't just buy one of those that had the circular backboard. You know, I needed a glass backboard. I needed it to be legit into the ground. I'm like, all right, that costs a lot. And then, you know, when you see a basketball hoop and there's this cement like this, you're like, oh, that doesn't seem too bad. We had to dig three feet deep. Christy's not here today, but she helped me dig it. I paid her 50 bucks. In hindsight, I'm like, I, I got a good deal. <laughs> and we were digging all day. Like, we were just going to work, and it had to be, like, a certain diameter wide, all that. But finally, we get this hoop up, and it was like, glorious. Let's play basketball. No, you had to wait until the concrete got hard. So that was some more days. And then your kids are like, can we play? Can we play? Can we play? <sighs> all these costs mentally, physically psychologically, just adding up. But now, almost four years later, the other day, I'm sitting out in our backyard, and I'm looking over there, and I see my 10-year-old just shooting for like three hours straight. And he starts draining. He comes way out into the grass from way back. He drains it. He looks over at me, smiles. He says, no days off. <laughs> Middle of winter, he's like, Dad, will you shovel this off so I can play some basketball? All three of them just playing all day, every day. That's the only way I get any cardio is by playing basketball with my boys. Like, that's the only thing I do. And then I was sitting there just watching them. I'm like, man, that's priceless. All the costs that went into it was more than I would like to spend. If anybody knows me, uh, uh, you might say I'm frugal, conservative. Like, I like a budget, Okay. But that was one thing that an investment we made that I will never regret because that's when I feel like I first learned that term priceless and truly what it could mean in a way that allowed me to see this joy my kids were having. And I could just sit there. I sat there for hours just watching them, you know, once in a while getting up playing until I got tired and was like, hey, I'm old. You guys keep playing. I'm going to chill. And just seeing this joy day after day and uh, if any of you have ever been over hanging out with us, and we might even be having church leadership meetings, and you just hear this ball, because it's like nonstop, all day. It's like, man, priceless. And these verses that we read, that was a spiritual pricelessness that Paul is talking about through relationship with Jesus. Like, man, that was the longest intro ever. I know, all right? I need you to have all the details. Some of you were trying to calculate in your mind how much that probably cost. I don't even remember. I had to put out of my mind, okay? But Paul is sharing in Philippians that, look, the cost of the things we face within this world have nothing on a relationship with Jesus. Nothing at all. And I want to start us in Philippians 3.1, where it says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now, he had just gotten done celebrating his friends Timothy and Edog. Everybody remember that from last week. And their heart and their faith in Jesus. And he was sending them back saying, I hope I can come back to Philippi one of these days. So now he's continuing. He's like, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice. He told him to rejoice two times before when he thought he was about to die. And now he's like, hey, I'm just going to tell you a third time, rejoice, okay? Be excited about what God does no matter what happens, whether I make it there or not. 
I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. It's like, I'm going to keep telling you over and over again how good God is and the fact that we can rejoice no matter what we're going through. And we might all find ourselves in some difficult situations, but Paul on trial for his life, like, man, that's a tough one. And he wants to continue to remind them to rejoice. But he also says, watch out for those dogs. Those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. He's like, watch out for those real religious people. That's what he's saying. He's saying, watch out for those people that are going to tell you of all the things you have to do in order to be accepted as a follower of Christ. And the reason why he calls them these mutilators is because circumcision is, well, circumcision. I think everyone knows what that means. If you don't, ask somebody next to you. I don't want to get into too much detail here. But what he's saying is they're following the law, but Jesus came and fulfilled the law. So what they think they're doing to earn salvation, they're just mutilating themselves because really through Jesus you have salvation that doesn't require mutilization. I like that rhyme. That wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> but that's what he's sharing. Is like, look, they're going to tell you you need to do all this stuff because there were some people who did accept who Jesus was, but they were Jewish initially and found Jesus. But now they thought, hey, in our Jewish traditions and heritage, circumcision was required as part of your faith. So now they're telling these people like, hey, that's cool that you found Jesus and all, but there's still a step. You ever had those people like, oh, you know Jesus? Well, did you go to this class? Did you do that thing? Did you uh, register for uh, Bible college? Did you do everything that you need to do in order so that you really know you're saved? They might not have really said it to you, but that one glance, that one look at you like, you did what on Saturday? And Paul's saying, watch out for them. You got to be careful. So we got to rejoice there's repetition because he's going to keep on sharing about this joy of Jesus, but you also have to watch out. Be apprehensive about what following Jesus really looks like. The hope that really we all have in Jesus versus what someone might tell you you need to do in order to have it. So he continues. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. He's saying us, the ones, like we worship in the spirit. Anytime someone makes a decision to follow Jesus, you now have the Holy Spirit living within you. God has given us this gift. And today's actually Pentecost Sunday. It's 40 days after Easter. It's after Jesus had Risen from the dead, he came, he walked around earth, and then he told his disciples, yo, you need to just wait for a little bit because I'm about to send you the Holy Spirit. It's about to get crazy. Because he said, I have to go so that I can leave something more powerful for you to have. 
Because wherever Jesus went, he could make an impact, but he couldn't be everywhere at once in his human flesh. But him going back to be with the Father, now we have access to the Holy Spirit. That is God who lives within us, who equips us and empowers us to live with a God confidence that the world can't touch. And he's saying, this is what's different. It's not just following all the rules through religion. It's about a true relationship with Jesus. And when you have the Holy Spirit, we're the ones who live through circumcision. We don't need a physical act to make it happen. We've got God living within us. Can I get an amen? We have this gift of the Holy Spirit, and he's reminding them of it. And you're like, yeah, that sounds great. Like for somebody who probably likes to cut the corners, you know. He probably made a whole lot of mistakes and doesn't really want to follow all those rules. I hope somebody's getting this today, that you're, you came in here and you're wondering what does it look like to follow Jesus, and you just see it as all these check boxes you have to fill out, and that is not it. Because Paul, if anybody has some clout, it was this dude. And as we're trying to figure out our relationship with Jesus, we can find ourselves in difficult moments, difficult circumstances, asking ourselves too much. We're trying to earn grace instead of giving praise to God. We're trying to earn the grace instead of giving the praise to God. See, we don't need to earn it. He's given it to us freely, but we get to praise him for what he's done for us. I think even more so, some of us are steady trying to earn the praise of people instead of giving the praise to God. Paul helps model this for us. He's like, man, this joy is coming from a different place. And this is where it gets good. Verse 4, he says, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. This isn't even a humble brag, it's just facts. You know how people are like, facts, this is it right here. He's like, if anybody could say how awesome they are, it's me. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I got more. I think about it like, I don't, I'm a big Kobe fan. I like the Lakers. Yeah, they lost and they're out, which stinks. But I always think Kobe had five rings. And I just see those little pictures of Michael Jordan where he's like, he had six championships. If nobody really follows basketball, he's like, I'm the champ. It's like, so he might have reason to boast and be excited about it, but look what I got. Or maybe from a musical perspective. You ever Googled who had the most Grammys? I never did either until this week because I was curious. I'm like, man, it must be the Beatles or something. No, it's Beyonce. 32 Grammy Awards. I'm like, dang, that's crazy. Think about people that do something with excellence and you're just like, man, I wish I could do something like that. Tom Brady, seven, six, I don't know. I stopped counting his championships because it wasn't the 49ers. But there are those people that just perform with excellence. It's like, yeah, they might be trying to catch me, but they can't. And Paul's like, hey, if they really think they could do some stuff, they still don't got me. I got the championship of religious rings. You're like, what? This doesn't make sense with everything else he's been saying. Okay, it's going to get there. Promise. Verse 5. He's about to lay out all of his accomplishments. This is resume. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law 
without fault. Like, you want to see who did some things? Boom. Here I am. Like that. <laughs> I don't know. I laughed when I read it because I'm like, Paul is a trip. He's telling everybody you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do about it. And if you think there is, if anybody can brag about it, it's me. Bam. This is all I did. Even starting at a baby. You're like, yeah, I was circumcised right out the gate. Some of us, the families that we're raised in, we might look at somebody else's families and think like, oh, man, they were just born into it. They got them on track right away. They started them real quick with that college fund, you know. Anyone ever think about that? I'm like, oh, I got no college fund for my kids. I need to get on that. Someone else did, like, before they were born. Like, ah, no, just me today? Okay, that's cool. But like, right out of the gate, he had his parents were doing exactly everything they needed him to do. I am a real citizen of Israel. Like, yeah, I am Hebrew. I'm from the line of Benjamin. Benjamin was where Jerusalem had been positioned. Like, he was one of the 12 tribes, and his lineage and his bloodline comes down throughout history. He's like, I, I have that rep. I'm part of the family. Upper class. Like, the Pharisees, when you read about Jesus calling out the Pharisees, Paul was one of them. He was like, there are like 12,000 different laws. The Ten Commandments ended up like a whole book of all kinds of laws. And these Pharisees, it was their job to make sure they were all enforced. Oh, today you wore the wrong colored ephod. I need you to go and do this, this, and this. That's what they did. I'm sure that's what their voice sounded like too. But that was his job and his role in it. And what he's saying is like, look it, I did all this stuff. I was following everything. So if people looked at who was the best from a religious standpoint, I was the man. So if anybody else comes to you and says, they're the man, I'm the man. <laughs> Old school Will Smith. <laughs> it's like, I... I've got a resume, but that's not where it starts or where it ends. Because he starts in a place like, hey, don't look at all what you do, but here's what I've done, if that's what we want to look at. But he continues, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He was on a mission on his road to Damascus to go and take out Christians. And he has an encounter with Jesus that knocks him off of his horse. It doesn't say that in the Bible. That's just what everybody has said over time. But it's a really cool image, right? Bam! But he has this encounter with Jesus that changes everything. And it opens up his eyes, the spiritual lens where he was blinded for a season until he then sees who Jesus was and what he came to do. And his life was transformed. He's like, man, I've been doing it all wrong. I did everything according to what I thought I should have been doing. But Jesus said, no, there's more to it than that. Now, I, cause, I, I look at all those accolades as nothing. And maybe it's not from a religious standpoint. Maybe it's just within the world. Maybe it's the house that we've purchased. Maybe it's the vehicles that we've accumulated. Maybe it's 
all the trips that we go on. It's all of these things that we're giving ourselves value based on. He's like, man, we're, we're valuing ourselves by the wrong measure. Because now everything I've accomplished in my life means nothing compared to Christ. It means nothing compared to the relationship that I now have through Jesus. He has changed and transformed my life. Man, and I can relate to that. Before I knew Jesus, that's what, that was my goal. How quickly can I get out of Racine, go live in a big city, make a lot of money, marry a hot honey, get a big house, and live the American dream? That was it for me. That's the resume I wanted. And I feel like I got that resume. And I, I praise God that he let me keep the hot honey when he changed my life and told me to do something different. <laughs> but he's like, look, all that stuff that you thought, like, what did you feel afterwards? Because there was this hollowness because you're continually trying to chase after more because nothing quite measures up. You can never get to that mountaintop. It's a mountain that keeps growing. That's why God's saying it's so important for what he's done for us. He's saying, yeah, because you're counting the wrong things because come to me. And you will have peace. Come to me, you will have joy. Come to me and you will find your true purpose. And that's what Paul is writing to these Philippians. He's like, look at all these people are going to come to you and tell you, here's what life should look like. But no, I learned something different. This is what life can be like. As we're walking around with these heavy burdens and these holes within our soul and we're trying to fill these voids with substances and people and relationships and social media and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, man, at the end of the day, I'm still feeling empty. I'm still feeling like I don't have enough. And Paul, Paul is sharing with us, yeah, you don't because you got the wrong list that you're looking at. I got a list of one, one name on it, and it's Jesus. That's the only list you need. That's the only one that you need because through him, everything else out will flow. He's all that we need. And this brings us to our text for the day. Really, it's all of it. You can go on the Bible app and you can highlight all this and be like, yep, I read all these verses today because I'm just, I'm just reading you the Bible today. I don't know, I felt like it was important that we just took this all in because it's important. So it brings us to chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. And garbage is a sweet way to translate that from Hebrew but I'm going to give you the real translation you want it, excrement. If you don't know what that word means, the Browns to the Super Bowl is what I tell my kids. You're like, what are we talking about here? This is church. But that's what the Hebrew word means here. He's saying, look, at everything else is that compared to what Jesus is. The greatest things in life that you think are awesome have nothing on Jesus. He changes everything. And he said, so that I could gain Christ and become one 
with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteousness. Ooh, he doesn't chase it. He doesn't try to it. He becomes righteousness through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Faith. Confidence in things hoped for. Belief in things not seen. It's faith. He's saying, look, righteousness can't be earned. Righteousness, defined through the Bible, is right with God. And maybe that's a feeling you've had for a long time. Like, yeah, I got to get right with God and then maybe I'll start following Jesus. I got to get some things in order. Let me just, you know, work through my resume, get everything real nice and neat. Then I can get right with God. But here's what everyone needs to know today. You cannot get right with God on your own. You cannot get right with God. God gets right with you. And through Jesus And the Holy Spirit that resides within you when you accept him, you have now become right with God. Evens the playing field. It encourages my soul because I know the mistakes I've made before. And if I had to earn something, man, I'd still be working really, really hard. But you don't have to earn it because you can't. The good thing, Jesus already paid the price. Talk about priceless. So incredibly precious that there is no way you can place a value on it. Jesus came and died for us. He saved our souls. God's word says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. He's saying here's this salvation and through it you have been made right with God. Paul's like there is nothing in this world that can compare at all to that salvation through what Jesus has done for me. It's like a candle in the sun. That stuff don't even out. Copyright Jay-Z. <laughs> That's what I love about Jesus. The more you get to know Jesus and you pursue Jesus, the things you might have done, learned, or whatever before Jesus, you start to see how God can use it. Because God works all things together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his plan. Start following Jesus and his plan for your life. And watch how God will use everything from your past in your present to impact the future. Yeah, I just went deep from a Jay-Z lyric. But it's true. And Paul is trying to share with us here that very truth. Like, look at I've got so many plans for your life. That's what God told him. And he followed him. And he knew that through Jesus, that's all he needed. And he's doing the same for us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us through Paul's writing, saying, look, don't let this world and everything in it make you feel like these things that you need to attain will give value to your life because they can't. It is nothing compared to Jesus. It is nothing compared to the salvation that comes through him. I'm going to ask our team to come up. I'm almost done. And he continues in verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. What he's saying here is, I just want more of Jesus. And I know that I might go and have to 
endure some difficult and challenging things, but it's worth it. It is so much more worth it than anything else that I'm facing. He's saying, I've counted up the cost, and it's worth it. You might say, yeah, but I got this loved one, and what they went through, I swear God can't be there if they didn't make it. Or this job that I put all my value and hope in, and now they just let me go. And how in the world can I believe in a God that would allow that to happen to me? I've been praying and praying and praying and praying for that loved one, and they just won't come out of that dark depression. They won't come out of that dark addiction. And I am so frustrated, and why won't it happen? God, where are you? And here's Paul in a jail cell saying, I know there are struggles and I'm facing one right now and I'm not gonna question it because I'm trusting that God's got a plan. And any day with God, no matter what I suffer, whatever challenges I go through are worth it compared to this emptiness the world has to offer. He's facing death and he's saying, hey, I've counted up the cost. My resume before, I was living the good life. I didn't have any worries or concerns. Finances, covered. People around me, looking up to me, admiring me, covered. And he's like, no, I'm sitting here in this jail cell right now, and I am facing death. And I still look at all that and say, I choose this. I have counted up the cost, and following Jesus is worth it. Because Jesus offers comfort and peace in our challenges here on this side of heaven. But a relationship with Jesus means an eternity spent with God. There was nothing on this side of heaven that could equate to that. It is priceless. It is this hope that Jesus can instill within our souls that when we're going through the most difficult and challenging moments to say, no, he's still worthy of it. He still deserves my praise because if God's never done another thing for me, he saved my life. And not just for the rest of these days on earth, but for eternity. That salvation you cannot put a value on. It is too precious. And that is what we are offered through relationship with Jesus. This life is not going to be easy. It will be difficult. There will be challenges that we face. And when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you might be saying, man, my life just got a whole lot more messy, a whole lot more difficult, a whole lot more challenging before I started following this Jesus guy. I should just go back to my resume because I was living the good life. And Paul's saying, no, it is still so much better. Keep fighting and don't lose hope. And the way I've started to process that is like, you know what, if I'm facing more challenges, I must be headed in the right direction because the enemy's, he's, he is scared. He sees me as a threat because I'm doing what God's called me to do because God wants to use each and every one of us to impact and change this world. And we don't have to do anything to earn his love, but once you have his love and he's taken your heart, you want to do anything to help further that gospel message. You want to do anything to impact the lives of those around you. And it's no longer this, man, here's what I have to do. It's like, man, can you believe this is what I get to do? God's invited me to be a part of this journey. And it gives you hope. And as I picture Paul in this jail cell writing this incredibly beautiful letter to encourage the church in Philippi, I'm thinking, man, he had to still have his hard days. He was human. He was a man. When you're having a hard day, I would encourage you to encourage someone else. 
Maybe you're sitting there feeling like, man, ain't nobody text me. No one's called me in like days. I could be dead and nobody would even know about it. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to do, to sit there in that, that heaviness. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm feeling discouraged today. I bet a whole lot of other people I know are too. Why don't I just shoot them a text? Yo, how can I pray for you today? Or I want you to know I'm praying for you today. Maybe it's somebody you talked to and they shared with you the, tr- the struggles they've been facing. Type out that prayer. Yo, God put on my heart to pray for you. So I'm just gonna text you this prayer. Give them a phone call. And as you encourage someone else in the Lord, the Lord will encourage your heart. And I'm sure this is the feelings that Paul was having because he's like, look, I can continue to rejoice because I'm encouraging others because I know that the Holy Spirit will still continue to encourage me. And that this world, everything that it has that it's telling me that I need to accumulate means nothing compared to the hope that I have in Jesus. So I will rejoice. It is a hope available to us all. It is a love available to us all. And whatever you're facing, whatever you're up against, if you count up the cost, it is worth it to follow Jesus. And he'll walk with you in the most difficult of moments. So as you walk out of here today, and as you continue to question what God has for your life, make that commitment, that firm commitment to say, no, I'm accepting who Jesus is and I want to follow him wherever he's leading me. And whatever I'm up against, whatever is there, I'm going to stop looking in the rearview mirror at the things I had before because he's got a future for me in the future. But I have to start living differently in the present to see it take place. And maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've never stepped into that relationship before. Well, today we want to give you that opportunity. We want to give you an opportunity to experience that salvation that will come through the Holy Spirit within you based on what Jesus did for you. To say, my life can look differently now because that is more valuable than anything I can have on this earth. So I'm going to ask, would everyone bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to count to three in a moment. And if that's you today and you say, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus, when I get to three, I'm going to ask if you would just shoot your hand in the air. This moment between you and God where he's been speaking to your heart and he wants you to know that he loves you. One, you need to know that Jesus died for you. Two, the value that he has and the relationship you can have with him is more precious than anything in this world. And three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand boldly in the air to say, yes, I believe I want a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. God, I thank you for everyone who made that decision today. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you're working on each of our hearts. I thank you for the forgiveness you offer us, that you see our sin as far as the east is from the west. I thank you that we don't have to do anything to earn your love, but that it is given to us freely. I thank you, God, for the salvation of our souls. I thank you, God, that you meet us in the middle of our brokenness. I thank you that no matter what we're facing, that you are still worthy because of the salvation that we have in you. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.